What I always tell people is to start looking at what you've already done and it doesn't have to be just professional stuff. So what do you what have you done in your life? What have you achieved in your life? Um, and honestly, I think that the reason that this is such an exciting career path is that so many people have access to it. Uh, whether they know that or not is another story and that's why I do what I do. Um, but most people have access to this because most people have skills that can be transferred digitally. So even if, let's say, you worked in a supermarket, for example, you have customer service experience, you have money handling experience, you have people skills, all of that can be transferred online. It's just about figuring out how. So then what I ask people to do is look at what they're interested in. And I always say, you can see a lot of coaches out there saying like, find your passion and you're going to be in the money. I don't really subscribe to that because I think that finding your passion is like this very big daunting concept for a lot of people. So I say, what are you interested in? What are you just interested in? Even if it's just temporary, like I'm really into yoga right now, or I'm really into painting. Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. I'm here today with Hannah Dixon. How are you, Hannah? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hannah, I've been following your content for, I feel like years at this point, while you're uh, out there traveling the world, having a crack. You run the website digitalnomadkit.com. Um, tell us a little about yourself and what you do over there. Sure. Um, so I've been nomading for about 13 years, eight of them digital. Uh, before that, I was kind of working on farms and doing the whole woofing, that kind of stuff. Then I discovered working online and was like, Pooh, I can travel forever and work online. This is awesome. And I think similarly to yourself, I had an experience uh, back then in SEO and, and web development. Uh, and I kind of started a company back then, which didn't work out very well because I had very limited business sense at that time. Um, but what I did find was that those clients that we had for the SEO and web development company needed other help. They needed social media help. They needed correspondence, customer support, like a whole range of different things they needed help with. And I just started helping them. I didn't know that the term virtual assistant existed. I didn't know really what a digital nomad was at that point. I was just kind of like taking these gigs on and, and turned out I was really good at it. Uh, I started a community myself online, um, which was just called Digital Nomad Kit. I had a very different vision back then for what that was going to be. It was going to be, I don't know, where I send people to buy the right bags or the right, you know, equipment, laptops, all that kind of stuff, like an affiliate model. Um, so that was the intention with that. But I started a community because I wasn't seeing many people like me out there doing this. Um, so I wanted to meet more people like me, particularly women, queer people. I just wasn't seeing many in the space. Uh, so I started a community and I was sharing what I was doing in that time, you know, how I was working with clients. I very quickly moved my way up to earning between five and $10,000 every single month. Five was sort of the standard I was making. Then beyond that was project-based. And people were like, this isn't typical. Uh, your results aren't typical. And so I was kind of like, well, that, that's sad. Like I, I fi I'm finding this easy and I'm not sure where I'm finding this easy, but I decided I'd put together a training for everyone. Skip forward five years. <laughs> I've now trained 12,000 virtual assistants to start their business and, uh, and make it truly sustainable and profitable. So Digital Nomad Kit is a training academy for virtual assistants. Didn't start that way, but you got to be open to what comes your way. And um, I realized that I had a real knack for that. And, and that's where I am today. Yeah, you've done a, a real testament to it. Or you've created a, a really like, vibrant and engaged community who who love to share and interact with each other. Look, sometimes 
you know, what you thought it was going to be isn't what it's going to be. And and it's, you're not being rigid in your ways and being being flexible, being agile, being willing to pivot. And then, you know, like you're saying, not pigeonholing yourself as well into I do this one thing. Like, you know, it, it sounded like you were doing really well at providing a service. But I feel a lot of people, you know, th- there's a cap to that. Like there's there tends to be a cap income wise because you've only got so many hours you want to work. And then on the flip side, you can only probably charge so much. You know, there's eventually going to be a, a tipping point where where people aren't going to pay it. So there's kind of two ways to look at it, isn't there, really? One is like, you know, fill your books to suit the lifestyle that you want. You know, you charge whatever per hour that you value. And, you know, then you have the lifestyle that you want, which for some is like in the digital nomad space, it's to travel, to live in different countries, to have different experiences. It's funny what you're talking about before, like I did the working holidays in Australia. I did it in New Zealand. I worked on farms. I drove tractors. I was in Sp- I was in Germany picking fruit. One like I mean, like I've done all sorts of random. Like, but that was I was into like being a backpacker when I was younger, you know. And I didn't buy my first laptop till I was twenty four. So like, I worked in Irish bars in Spain. Um, the two seasons. That's actually where I met my partner, who's. Now the mother of my child, like, you know, we were working in a bar in Spain for the summer. Like, that was the fun. But now it's like, and I was working for like four euro an hour, like, you know, and I'm working 12 hour shifts. And like, you tell people now, it's like, you can make 15, 20 quid an hour as a VA. Like, if you're an English speaking, like from, from my perspective, Ireland, UK, like, you can easily make that sort of money. And um, so I kind of like to talk to you about that. Your accent, I can't, is it New Zealand or is it Australia? It's actually England. I'm a Londoner. I haven't lived at home in 13 years and I feel like it's probably changed with the, the travel. And You're hanging around with the Aussies. I thought you were Aussie. <laughs> Everybody does. Let's unpack this a little bit. Like, you know, so, you know, why is it a good idea to become a VA and, and kind of how, how do you narrow into what you offer? Because I, I feel like, you know, there's hundreds of things you can offer. So if somebody is listening to this, they're curious, maybe they work in hospitality and hospitality is in trouble. Um, they're looking for something that they could do online, something where they could move to Mexico or Portugal or Spain or whatever for a couple of months and work online. Like, how do you start? Like, you know, help me un- understand that. How do you start taking somebody on that journey? What I always tell people is to start looking at what you've already done and it doesn't have to be just professional stuff. So what, do you, what have you done in your life? What have you achieved in your life? Um, and honestly, I think that the reason that this is such an exciting career path is that so many people have access to it. Uh, whether they know that or not is another story, and that's why I do what I do. But most people have access to this because most people have skills that can be transferred digitally. So even if, let's say, you worked in a supermarket, for example, you have customer service experience, you have money handling experience, you have people skills, all of that can be transferred online. It's just about figuring out how. So then what I ask people to do is look at what they're interested in. And I always say, you can see a lot of coaches out there saying like, find your passion and you're going to be in the money. I don't really subscribe to that because I think that finding your passion is like this very big daunting concept for a lot of people. So I say, what are you interested in? What are you just interested in? Even if it's just temporary, like I'm really into yoga right now, or I'm really into painting. If you're really into yoga, for example, and you've got customer service experience, you need to start looking at how you can marry what you're interested in and what skills you have. So you could very easily start approaching yoga studios, telling them that you can help them with their social media outreach or their customer support or their booking systems. And I think that a lot of people dismiss what they're interested in because they still treat this like a job. So it's really getting out of that mindset of 
I'm an employee and I get told what to do and I don't really have much say into I can design this to work for what I'm interested in because why the hell else would you do this if you don't make it work for you? And you often will have people in your immediate network if you look at what you're interested in. So if you're interested in yoga again, you probably know the local yoga studio owner. You probably know some instructors. You probably know other people who you're really into that. And those are going to be the first port of call for getting those clients in. And you can literally reach out and say, I'm interested in taking my skills online. Would you be up for doing a trial month with me? Or would you be up to doing a five-hour package with me? Um, and I'll see what I can do for you. And getting those first testimonials in. I always think that's the first port of call. What have you done already? Don't dismiss anything. Like don't dismiss your experience at school. Don't dismiss things you've done for charitable organizations. Your work offline doesn't disappear because you start working online. Uh, So take that, write a, a running list of things you've done, Then you could maybe even write another list of things you actually enjoy doing from that. Scrap the rest because no point anymore. And then a list of what you're interested in and see how you can marry that up. That's always the first thing that I tell most people to do because I think people don't realize that they have opportunities in their immediate circles already. That's a really good way to approach it, I think. You know, it's kind of not necessarily following your passions. Nobody's saying go and start a yoga clothing business or a channel. It's rather, you know, if you're into yoga, how can you serve that market? If you're into CrossFit, How could you serve that market? Because even just touching on some of the other things we talked about, like blog content, you know, video editing, uploading, doing stuff on YouTube. Like there's so many things that like you can learn like within a couple hours. Like truth be told, like, you know, get on YouTube and just like how to upload YouTube videos, how to upload blog posts, how, you know, like it's not rocket science, but it's work that people need done. No, I always say that if you look at just the, the word virtual assistant and you, and you flip it, you're just virtually assisting someone. And that leaves the scope of what you can do so wide. Uh, that's why I say don't dismiss anything because there are people hiring people for the weirdest stuff online. That You're going to have, you know, the obvious creative tech and administrative type task, but there is like a whole host of weird shit people will hire you for online. And I, I have a list on my website actually of like over 100 services you could offer as a VA and that's not exhaustive. I've done so many weird things. So don't feel like there isn't a space for you because I think that the biggest thing is about making a space for yourself based on what you have. There are always going to be people hiring. In fact, more than ever because of the pandemic, everyone's going digital. People are realizing it's more cost effective to hire someone for a specific task, for a specific skill than have them full time as an employee in person. So this is only growing and, and you can definitely get started with what you have. You touched on a point earlier about the like potentially offering packages. So I'd like to just kind of unpack this a little bit about, let's say, offering packages versus like hourly and on like Upwork or Fiverr.com or something like that. So can you just kind of tell me how you think is the best way for people to approach? Because all of them work to a degree. Like you can be an hourly freelancer on Upwork. Like, yes, you can, you know, but it's a marketplace. It's like Amazon, easy come, easy go. You know what I mean? Whereas I see in Facebook groups, a lot more people seem to sell packages. You know what I mean? Like in, in all these uh, virtual assistant Facebook groups that are out there, people are five hour, 10 hour, 20 hours. And and for a virtual assistant, I imagine it would be better to have like four 20 hour clients that you knew was packed in rather than kind of the hourly uncertainty that come like, yeah, like I need you all now and I don't need you then for a month. And, you know, tell me about your experience with that. Yeah, so I always say that, you know, there's there's multiple ways you practice. And as you said yourself, there's no right and wrong way. All of them work to a degree. The way that I've seen work the best after training over 12,000 people is to really start treating this like a business. So that means I always have this phrase that I really love, which I made up, of course, <laughs> which is uh, stop applying for jobs and start creating opportunities. 
And the whole concept behind that is that while these platforms like Upwork and, and Freelancer, and I don't even know what they are anymore because that's how much I don't pay attention to them, while they can work and they, and they do work to a degree, you're fighting in a very, very busy, crowded, sharky marketplace where a lot of people are going there. I'd say it's 50-50. Some people go there to hire because it's the first thing that comes up when they Google hire someone for whatever. I'd say the other half of people that go there are going there because they're looking for the cheapest, but the, the cheapest price to get the thing done. They're not necessarily going there to build a relationship with you, to have a long-term commitment going on with you, or to get to know you in any capacity that means anything. So I feel like the people that are building their businesses off of those platforms who are, you know, doing the attraction marketing, putting out funnels for themselves, networking their asses off, uh, showing up in these groups, helping people, you know, getting their, getting their name out there, getting known in the industry they want to be working in. Uh, those are the people who are getting those long-term contracts. And so hourly and sort of project-based or, or retainer is what I would say is a sort of holy grail for a lot of uh, VAs. But hourly is fine. I think most people start with that and there's nothing wrong with it. I just think that moving to a retainer as quickly as you can, once you know that this is a long-term relationship is better for both parties. It's better for the employer because they know exactly what they're getting every month. They know how many hours they have. It can either be on hours or deliverables. It, it depends on the, the circumstances with the client. But you know what you're getting every month. You know what you're paying every month. And you have that security of knowing you're supported. The VA has financial security and, and exactly knows what's expected of them. So that's really the holy grail. I would say for anyone who's just starting out, one of the things I recommend is if you're having a conversation with a potential client, Offer them five hours. It's low cost. It's low commitment. They pay you up front. You see how you like each other because you have to like them too. You know, you're not applying for a job. You're also qualifying them to work with you. I see how you like each other. And from there, you can start talking about retainer situations. Is it, if it's not immediately evident how long things will take, work a couple of months on hourly, but then quickly move into that conversation of let's get this onto a retainer so we both feel safe with this. Um, and I think that that's the way to go. Of course, there's other things like project-based where maybe you're just setting up a website. Yeah, 50 up front, 50 at the end. That's separate. But for ongoing work, retainers is really, I think, holy grail. <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm even thinking like, I remember my assistant, Maria, she got, like, she was sick. I was like, like Maria, you've got sick days. Like, I'm not going to, you know, like, I, I think about, like, you can have a holiday too. Like, it's it's all good. Like, not that I'm the best employer. I'm a bit scattered and all over the place at the best of times. But, like, that's why I hire somebody to help keep me organized. <laughs> but, um, you know what I mean? Like, I think when you get a good relationship with somebody, like, they will look out for you. You know what I mean? And and I just interviewed the, even the safety wing founder, Sandra, and, you know, there's this like remote health stuff now and you're like, oh, okay, that'd be a good idea. Like get health insurance for your, for your assistance. Like you know, good employers will think like that. I think, you know, and, and for their security as well, like you're saying, like, you know, they need to know that we've got X amount of hours for the month because you're not their only client. While you deal with them and maybe they're your only one and only VA, let's say, you're not their only client. And if you're only giving them 10 hours a month, well, they've got a lot of other hours in that month they need to fill up. So I think it's good for them and it's good for you as well to know where you sit and what, what days um, would work for you. Absolutely. And I just want to add one more thing there as well on, on the on the payment. I found like for myself personally, and a lot of my graduate community now, when they've been working with people sort of a year, two years, they're getting into a position where they're doing these launches with their clients and they're actually getting a cut on the launch as well. So while they're getting their retainers, they also have agreements where they can earn more within that business because they've become such an integral part of it. So there's always opportunities there. And of course, if you work with someone and they love you, they're going to give you referrals and building those relationships up is it's key, I think. I think so too. And 
you touched on something else I want to talk about, right? I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but the word virtual assistant, right? And you mentioned about, you know, people go to Upwork and they're looking for the cheapest. Because I feel like, because I've been in this space now for like 10 years, thereabouts, it started out a virtual assistant with somebody for like two, three dollars an hour from the Philippines or from India. Like, truthfully, that was the way you had all these people marketing it. But now it's very different. But it still has that kind of connotation with it that people expect a virtual assistant is maybe just a cheap person from, you know, a less developed country. So how do, how do you think um, that's kind of changed? And like, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's changing rapidly, actually. Um, I think that especially during the pandemic, we had a lot of social justice issues coming up and they still are. And I think that's super important. And I've noticed myself personally, people coming to me to hire VAs in an ethical way because it's important to them now. So I think that that sort of atmosphere is changing drastically. And I think, again, it depends on where these people are and where they are in their businesses, because you have people who are doing six figures, seven figures, they don't have a problem paying someone $25 an hour, $35 an hour. Um, but if they, again, if you're finding them on Upwork, these clients, they may not be as open to that. They may not have their eyes open to this new way that a lot of people are working now. There are a lot more people that it's more important for them to hire in a way that makes their VA feel good and valued and based on their skills and experience, not on their location or nationality. So I do see a massive shift in this. And the way that I teach my VAs, most of them never come in contact with these people anymore. Of course, it still happens here and there. But I think where you hang out is what you're going to get. So I think it's really important to, to look at your immediate circle, you know, and, ha- and how, you're, how you're showing up for yourself. I think it also takes the VA being able to say no to things. Because um, I see it from the other side. You see employers say, well, if they're willing to take that, then that's fine. Uh, but, you know, I think it starts from educating the employers and then empowering the VAs. And it's, it's a combination. It works both ways. But yeah, I think as long as you're in the right circles, uh, you're not going to come across that too much anymore. Yeah. And look, like, I'm not going to lie. Like when I started out years ago, I was hiring the cheapest of the cheap. And those people are flaky anyway. Like the next, you know, if they get a dollar an hour more, that's like a 30% pay rise. So they just jump anyway, you know? So like, it's not, whereas now, like you're saying, like when I hire VAs, it's usually out of these groups, I don't necessarily hire them off Upwork. That's more for like technical stuff, like to be honest, like um, you know, web, web development or, or SEO or something. But uh, hiring like virtually, I always post in those groups. And, and like you're saying, people apply. Um, and if anybody comes in there cheap, somebody else is always there to go, don't charge that much. You need to charge your worth. You know, there's always some smart ass who says, oh, I charge $60 an hour. You shouldn't get out of bed for any less. And you're like, chill out, man. These people are starting. Like, they're happy with 10 bucks an hour. Like, simmer down. I mean, I've done research over the years. Um, you know, I've been in this industry for long enough that I've seen every every type of pricing situation, every opinion out there. Um, and after all the research I've done, no matter where in the world, I always say to people, if it's under $10, question it, like question it both ways. And that's a real, real minimum that people should uh, sort of adhere to. And that's my opinion. I know that the other people have other opinions, but it's, it's one of my big points is ethical hiring. So that's kind of where my research has taken me. Oh, brilliant. And look, I agree with you. You know, like I could put my hand up and guilty and say, look, when I started out, I was looking, but that's because I didn't have any money either. So I was just like, you know, just trying to hire help for like two bucks an hour, but like it didn't, you end up doing the work yourself anyway, because it wasn't, you know? So look, is it hard to get clients as a virtual assistant? Like, you know, nowadays in 2021 and, and is virtual assistant what people call themselves or is it online business manager is this new phrase that I, I seem to 
come across a lot. You know what I mean? So people are calling themselves a range of things. Um, OBMs, online business managers, tend to be the next level. They're kind of managing the team, managing other VAs potentially. Uh, whereas the VA is still more of someone who executes on on the things that need to be done. Uh, so the online business manager is no, normally more like an overview person. Um, they could even act somewhat as a project manager. People are calling themselves all kinds of things. I don't see that there's an issue calling yourself a virtual assistant. Like like I said, if you're hanging out in the right communities and you're, you're networking with the right people, there's no problem with that. What I do see a lot of, for example, with my graduates, I see them moving into creating their own agencies. Um, so they move into agency owner positions or they specialize. So they, they get really specialized and perhaps they end up calling themselves a sales copywriter or a web developer. So they've got so good at that one thing that they do that they drop any of the other tasks that they're doing and they become known for that. But And you can do that through virtual. You could even call yourself, for example, a podcast VA, for example. You help someone edit their podcast, distribute it, all that kind of stuff behind the scenes. So you could call yourself a podcast VA or a Pinterest VA or a Facebook ads VA. Or you can just drop the VA and call yourself a Facebook ads manager. Either way, I'm not seeing that it negatively impacts anything. It's just really a personal preference, I think, at that point. There's a, I, I recently started working with, uh, we did a web design project for somebody using Kajabi. Kajabi is this like all-in-one business platform. You know, it's your funnels, your email, your website, the whole lot. And in the group, the official Kajabi group, and in one or two other groups I joined, you know, because I'm, I don't know why, I just like, I, I noticed these things. And it's like so many people asking for Kajabi help. So few people offering help. <laughs> And it's like the, the same two people just get tagged all the time. And you can just tell like they're flat out and they're not cheap either. That's a high value skill. So this comes back to like, like Kajabi's not hard. I figured it out in a day. You know, like I basically went in there in a day, figured it out, playing around. Like it's not hard. And they've really just go on YouTube to learn anything. There you go. Like there, there's one, like you're saying, like there's a, there's a niche, like it's, it's very specific. And I've seen what you're talking about where people say, I'm a virtual assistant to course creators, virtual assistant to, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Cool. So like, that's kind of like, try to maybe find your, your niche, like your, your area that you're going to specialize in. And, and that makes it easier too, because you're not pitching e-commerce stores and agencies and, you know, it helps you to kind of narrow your focus of who your ideal client is and where to find them. Speaking of, where should, like you mentioned there a couple of times, like hanging out in the right circles, being around the right people, where should people hang out if they're looking for support and community and also to try and find business, in your opinion? So if you're looking for support, I have a community. <laughs> it's called Next Level Virtual Assistance. You can go hang out in there. Um, we have lots of free trainings and all kinds of fun stuff in there. If you're looking to find work, it is quite important, I think, at least in the way that I train, to look at who you might want to start serving now. And I'm going to give a disclaimer. Like I said with the example with the yoga thing, if you're interested in that, go with that because it's a foot in. You need to take a step and need, in order to take the next step and the next step and the next step. You don't have to be tied to that forever. Your niche should change. It, it will change. It absolutely will change. It will change numerous times over the years until something lands with you. It did for me. It does for most people. So don't feel trapped by that choice, but it's a start. And a start is better than no start at all. So I would say find communities where those people are hanging out. So maybe you'll find a Facebook group that's called yoga business owner support, something like that. You can join that community. You can be of service. You can start building relationships with people. In fact, I'm going to give you a really cool tip. One thing that I did, and, and I suggest if you can find a way to do this for yourself, is fantastic. 
I always say when you show up and you help people, and I know it sounds cliche, but it, it's true. You show up and you help people, you demonstrate your ability. Uh, that's when people start reaching out to you and saying, or, or tagging you on posts, like this is the person you need to go to. And one way to do that in a way that you're not continuously helping people for free and spending all your time just networking for little reward is you can go into these Facebook groups where your target audience is hanging out. You can go into the search bar. So let's say, for example, you're offering email marketing support and you, what tools they're using, ConvertKit, for example. You can type in ConvertKit and you'll see all the questions people have about ConvertKit. Then write down the top 10 questions, answer them with a long form blog post or a YouTube video or something. So you have a, a, a resource that you don't have to then every time someone answers that question, you don't have to reinvent the wheel by answering them. You can just say, hey, I have a resource for that. And on that resource, you have a call to action to work with you because most people still won't want to implement it. So I had, for example, I had a video on how to integrate Divi and MailChimp because Divi was really hot. MailChimp was really hot. Everyone was asking the question. I had a YouTube video. So every time that question came up, I would drop the YouTube video. People were like, oh, my God, that's the best. And anytime someone had that issue, can someone help me? Hannah Dixon got tagged. So there are ways to help people in a way that helps you as well. So you're not continuously doing that. But yeah, it's finding those communities where they're hanging out. Where is your audience hanging out? Are they more on Instagram? You probably want to be on there more. Are they on LinkedIn more? Most most people should be on LinkedIn anyway. I think it's the bare minimum professional presence. But Facebook groups, are, I think, you know, they're a goldmine. They really are. And if you if you get it right and you join the right ones and you, you show up meaningfully, not in a spammy way, you will get known. And I also think another thing, to note here as well, because uh, I would be lying if I said I didn't use this in my business. There's also paid programs. Like if I would join a community, I would I would sometimes pay for a program to be a part of that network. Always. Yeah, I do. I do courses all the time. I spend at least five, 10 grand a year on courses. And largely it's the network of the people who are doing the courses. Well, not that I care more about, but like the course obviously usually has some stuff that I want to learn. But at the same time, it's about connecting with who's in the room. I've always like paid to be in the room. Don't be afraid to pay to be in the right room. Because like you're saying, I mean, I've done so many of these Jill and Josh's course creator bootcamp. I've done Adam N. Freud's uh, blog engine. I've done a authority hacker, authority site builders. I think uh, Matt Diggity's one. Like I've done all these SEO courses, but like see if you do one of these SEO courses and you're a blog writer, like let's say you're a freelance writer. I swear to God, go and join SEO groups because the one thing they're always crying out for is can't get writers, can't get good writers, can't get enough writers because what do SEOs need? Content. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like that's their number one problem that they can't find reliable writers, good writers. So like, but if you pay and do one of these little courses and then you're in that paid Facebook group, like you're... You know what I mean? You're not in the 10,000 group where everybody, look, to be fair, you'd know this better than me, but policing those groups is a job in itself to avoid all the spam and self-promotion. But, you know, when you're into like 300 people who took the course group and you can put in your videos and you can write some good questions, like all of a sudden you're like, oh, who's this person here? Who's, you know what I mean? Like, I'll work with you. Like, that, I think it's a massive, massively underrated way to get out there and get yourself some some business, you know? Yeah. And I, I guess on the flip side of that as well, is if you're willing to invest in your business, people will be willing to invest in you. You know, you have to give a little, you get a little, that's kind of how it works, I feel. Of course, you don't have to do that, but I find it incredibly beneficial. Like I joined a program. Uh, I'm not sure if you know Kim Raluna. I joined her program a few years ago. Be True Brand You. It, it wasn't cheap, but it paid off. It paid off a hundred times over. It was a business building course. 
and people were stuck all the time and needed a virtual assistant. So I became the go-to person. But, but like you're saying, this is actually a good one because I didn't I didn't think about this before we talked about it. But now that we're talking about it, even like the Course Creators Bootcamp, when I did that, you know, it's largely talking about launching a course. So it's Facebook ads, it's ClickFunnels, Kajabi. Like if you can do any of those things, you know, as your virtual assistant, like I guarantee you, you do that bootcamp, you're coming out of there most likely with a client if you know what you're doing. Like, because like you're saying, people are Googling, they're looking around and you know how to do it, but then you're like, oh, I don't have fucking time to do that. <laughs> you know, so they're like, who can just do it for me? And that's where, like you're saying, creating resources that you can just direct people to, to answer the most common questions related to the services that you're offering is a pretty solid uh, idea, you know, with that call to action. So, Hannah, you you use um, free challenges, right? I'd like to talk about this just kind of to round up the episode because this is more like the marketing side of things. Why do you do it? What does the free challenge look like? And, you know, how how effective has that been for you and for Digital Nomad Kit? Yeah, so I, the first time I ever did any training for virtual assistants was through a five-day challenge when... Honestly, the truth is when I started, people were doing them and it seemed like the hot thing to do. So I gave it a whirl and it worked really well for me. Um, What I found was that I think a five-day challenge or any type of challenge works really well if what you're offering is what people want, (laughs) because I see a lot of people failing with this model too. And so I think having a good hook, you know, like for me, it was always you you could find a client in five days if you took this challenge. Um, And many people have. So in the challenge, you know, you give snippets, you give insights, you inspire people, you show, uh, you know, how other people have managed to make this work for themselves. And you give them something that gives them an instant win without giving them everything. So you're giving them an instant win. You're you're proving that what you do works. (laughs) And then essentially that's that's an easier way into my program. I mostly launch via this challenge. I have random little other launches, Black Friday things, all kinds of things uh, throughout the year. But the challenge is my staple. I do that every sort of two to four months. Um, there's no real structure to it. It's when I'm like, I'm feeling like I have the energy to do it. We have a few thousand people sometimes taking part. So it's it's a big process for me. You know, emotionally as well, it's very, it can be quite draining. So I have to be prepared to do it. You have to perform. You know what I mean? Like you have to, no, because it's, you're the presenter, isn't it? So you have to be energized and you have to like perform to a degree, you know, like you to be there and show up and stress as well related to it. Like, because customer service and staffing and managing the groups and, re, you know, like just there's a lot of work. But yeah, I'm running the ads and making sure everything, you fill up that bucket. But like you're saying, so you do the challenge. Are these free challenge or paid? Free challenge, yeah. Free challenge. And then you help people solve a specific problem, which is typically, you know, how to get a client in five days in an ideal scenario. And then I imagine and the upsell is like, well, here's actually then my course that you can take if you want to take this to the next step and delve in a little bit deeper. And it's worked really well for taking people through that funnel and, and into your course. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't working. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I love it. And one of the reasons that I love this model as well is because that, of course, you know, I might get 2000 people on a challenge. Not all of those people are going to convert. In fact, it's much less than that. But I really like it helps me get my name out there. They bring people next time. Um, I like being able to help people who can't afford my paid programs. I give a lot in the five challenge. So I like that I have an impact that that goes beyond my wallet. So I, I really enjoy that aspect of it as well. And that's, you know, in between the challenges, I'm supporting my paid community, of course. So then I have to like build the energy up, do it again. But it's always worth it for me. It's always worth it for people who take, who take part. Uh, whether they end up buying or not doesn't really matter to me. It works for me and it works for them. So I, I really enjoy this model. 
it seems like it's going well because I do see you when you promote it because all of a sudden it's all over my Instagram. I must be your ideal client. <laughs> I actually don't do ads, so you just must follow me a lot. Uh, I do, yeah, yeah. Just to hear the stories and stuff like that. You don't do ads. Wow. I can't not unpack that a little bit. Okay, so how does it work? Like, like how, how are you getting 2,000 people into a free challenge without running ads? Uh, most of my existing students will promote as well. So their experience is, uh, you know, testament to how it works. So they, I have... For some reason, I've built this awesome community of people who just love what I do and love sharing it as well. Of course, on my own back, my own network that I've built for years and years, I'm really big on networking, which is why this is such a big part of my paid program as well is because I see the power in it. Like I can bring to, it takes me 10 days to promote a challenge. So in 10 days, I know I can get sort of between 800, 2000 people consistently. And that's based on me showing up in, in certain communities where I am already known and people are going to jump on and go, yep, this is the one you want to do. Yep, this is the one you want to do. And then they want to share it with their communities and then they want to share it with their communities. And then my students want to share it with their family and their friends and people who have had results. And I think that's what it means. If you have a good product and people do get results, people will share it too. So it needs to be good. It can't just be a crappy challenge. You know, you have to, you have to give, you have to give, you know, generously without giving everything, which is a balance. Um, I had to change the content a few times. But now we've come to a point where I'm like, it works consistently for everyone involved. And, and that's that's what I'm happy about. That's so awesome. I'm like genuinely, massively impressed. Because I, like I said, I've done these other courses and, and often what they do is a paid challenge. And it's a, I won't call it a loss leader, but the idea is that you cover the ads by the entry. You know what I mean? So even if it was only like seven bucks or 20 bucks or whatever to, to enter the, the challenge, it wasn't free. But the idea being you would have spent, let's say, 10 grand on ads, but you would have made that back in the initial entries and then the upsell. So I'm just like, wow, like that's class. That just shows you the power of building your network, of having a good network and having a team of people who then help to promote. And obviously, like people who've taken the course as well, that they would go out there and, and promote it. And that would help to fill that up for you. So like, that's awesome. Huh? Like fair play to you. I will add one more thing to that, actually. Um, I think that... The reason that this has worked so well for me is that before I started training anyone, my focus was building a community. So I already had a very large community that I had grown completely without any sort of like intentions to sell anything to really. I'd built a community that had already been following me and were kind of loyal to the brand. So that's obviously helped as well. So I don't want, I don't want to not disclose that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, fair enough. No, but look, that's a good point. And, and that's, I mean, look, I think all of that is a testament to as well why it works and why your pay course works as well as like, it's not just a course, it's a community and people, you know, you have a unique tribe and it's a cool tribe and it, it radiates with positive vibes, you know what I mean? And it looks like it's one of those places where you're like, it looks like a cool party over here, I want to go join, you know? So <laughs> you're like, what's happening over there? <laughs> When I'm launching, people are like some of my like alumni students come into the group and they're like, join us. We have cookies. We have parties. I'm like, hey, there's also a course, you know, <laughs> it is. It is a really wonderful place. And I'm really I'm really proud of the community that we have, to be honest. So I think that's one thing that really sets us apart is um, the community. I get a lot of people who have taken a lot of programs and they come to us and they go, I've never been in the community like this. Like I got work from this community. I made friends. I got married from this community. I got married from my own community as well. So yeah, it's it's very engaged and uh and and fun. It's it's a really cool place. It's class. Look, I'm delighted, and I wish you every success with it. I think you're in the perfect place at the perfect time. Like this business, you know, the business of training people to earn a living online is nowhere near its peak. It's only ramping up. Lots of people who would have never considered it are entering it. 
I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger moving forward. And I really hope you just continue to do well and everything goes well for you, you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think as well, just just the one more last thing is, is, as this is getting more and more commonplace, more people have heard of this kind of work or freelance work in general. I just want to stress that again, that this is so accessible because there's so many things you can do based on what you have already. And so I, I just really think that's important to note that it's, it really is an accessible way to start working for yourself and it can branch into so many different directions. It's just it's just a start. Yeah, no, that's class. Hannah, it's been a pleasure. Where can people connect? Where would you go if I was to look for you on the internet? Yeah, um, most of my handles everywhere, Digital Nomad Kit, that's K-I-T. Uh, so digitalnomadkit.com, digitalnomadkit on Instagram or just Hannah Dixon. Actually, on, Inst- on, on Twitter, it's different. It's Hannah Dixon DNK, but that works too. Aha, uh-huh. I'm just going to try this. Yeah, hey, look, I'm trying out Riverside which is my software for uh, recording. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. I've never done this screen share before, but I was like, I should probably start using this. Yeah, it works. Yeah, there you go. It works. You've been seen everywhere. As I said, I've seen you everywhere too. So (laughs) you're good at the PR. But um, look, class, thank you. And digitalnomadkit.com if people want to check out. When is the next challenge? I'm literally just wrapped one up. Um, I don't have set dates, but likely two to three months from now, you can sign up at the website and you'll get updates and you'll get lots of fun stuff in the meantime anyway. Lovely. Thank you, Hannah. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.